Our scripture for this morning is Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Thus ends the words of the Old Testament. Stan, our pastor today, has the sermon honoring dads. I was thinking about in our Sabbath school time, you know, about when Jesus cleansed the temple and um, drove all of those people out. What was the next thing you heard? The sound of children who had climbed up on his lap and he was talking to them and they were relating. And what a beautiful uh, thought and scene you would have in the temple to have something like that. That's about as perfect as it can get, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then, as you said, that passage in the last part of Malachi at the end of the Old Testament, that, you know, the hearts of the fathers restored to the children and the children to the fathers. A part of salvation has to do with the healing of relationships. And, of course, the most important is the family relationship. And I'm going to talk about the day because Father's Day is coming up and it gives me an opportunity to do that. And this is one of my favorite themes. And so hang in here with me. I'm going to be exploring some different ideas that might be a little weird. And I hope they're not too weird. But anyway. Okay, here's some quotes. Follow along with these quotes here. Oh, I might need these things. Excuse me here. Children do not need fathers to fight and die for them. They need fathers to live for them, to value them, and to value what they most value, their mothers. Isn't that neat? A father who truly protects his children cannot possibly hurt their mother. Now, my dad was a rascal, as I have said, but he always honored mom. That just absolutely was. And she could put him down real quick, not in a rough way, because he honored her, and he had learned that. Wonderful. Stephen Stosny, by the way, is one of the most influential counselors in the, across the country. Some of you may know who Stephen Stosny Do you know who Stephen Stosny is? You've heard of him? He was on Oprah once, and every woman in the world, I think, called after that show because they wanted to have their men go and have counseling with Stephen Stosny because he would straighten them out rather quickly. <laughs> Got through to them, and these men somehow were changed, you know, and the women couldn't believe it. Anyway, uh, in the end, there is nothing a man can do that a woman can't. Except what? And so a father has something very special and something very unique to offer. And women should not have to try to offer that. It's something that a man should do. You must be the change you wish to see in the world. I love that. Such a simple statement. If you want change in the world, you must be it. And that's a good motto for men. Live so that when your children think of fairness, caring, and integrity, they think of whom? This is the whole mission of fathers. It's the whole mission of importing and putting and planting in the minds of the children, boys and girls, an idea of what life is really supposed to be all about. What a wonderful thing for that to happen. Father's Day. 
The average child can expect to live a significant portion of his life, however, in a home without a father. In today's world. It's pretty sad, isn't it? 72% of Americans say fatherlessness is the most significant social problem facing America. Because when fathers aren't there and they're not doing the work that God needed them to do, the children get lost really quickly in a lot of areas. No matter how hard the women work, there's something that a father needs to do. Here's some more sayings. Children have a hole in their soul, the exact shape of their dad. Children don't want to know about you. They want to know you. There needs to be time with every father uh, to be with a child for no other reason than for them just to know your heart. They have this amazing ability to, to pick that up without hardly you even telling them about it. In the way you relate to them, the way you touch them, the way you cherish them, the way you are strong. All the things that a father can be. Children pick that up. And you know what? It gets written, I think, in their DNA. It's just amazing. That DNA is more fluid than we think it is. Children cannot model what they cannot see, but they will model what they see. Love is spelled time. And so well, finally, as an old man, uh, I am willing to take time out and waste time with my grandchildren. It's not waste. It's not waste. But I, I, I formerly considered it waste, you know, because I had so many more important things to do. Now I'm realizing there's nothing really important as those kids. And I'm glad to be with them. And they want to be with me, which is so strange. They want to be in my arms. I took my next to the youngest one. She just got out of the pool. Did I tell you this? And I went over to the house because the older, her older sister and I own a car together. She's 12 years old. <laughs> the car is hers and mine. I gave it to her. It's a Cougar XR7 convertible, 69. Kind of a special car. And so I took it over to the house. Don't always take it over to their house across town. And the convertible top was down. And first I let my older daughter drive the car around the little area. It was a private area there. They, they, she drove the car. It does a good job. And then the younger one, right out of the pool, wet as can be, sat on my lap. <laughs> and she's driving it. Of course, I'm controlling the, the pedals and things like that, but she's driving it. And those little simple things of being there with the children in special moments are just unbelievably precious. Their hearts are knit together with ours when that happens. And so I'm a grandparent. So even grandparents can get away with doing this, don't you think? A long-term study found that the single most important childhood factor in the development of empathy was fathers. Well, I don't know if that's said very well, but the idea is that fathers can do more in teaching empathy than anybody else. I don't know how they got those facts. I don't know, I don't know the studies behind it. But empathy is the ability to feel what's in the heart of another person. It's emotional shorthand that puts two people together, links them up. Links them up not only in their thinking, but links them up with their emotions and their whole body gets kind of synced together. Fathers have a role to play in that. Very powerful role to play in that. Most fathers have no idea about that. <laughs> 
Fathers who spent time alone with their kids performing routine child care at least two times a week raised children who were the most compassionate adults. Do you like that? Now, most men wouldn't even consider that this would be something that they could do. But it is. They have a role to play that if it's missed, a huge hunk is missing out of a child's life. And it's not by just being strong. It's learning how to feel. It's learning how to be compassionate. Fathers can do that. It's amazing. They increases the child's self-esteem, grades, and emotional stability. These are studies that have been done. Well, I'm going to back up and catch that one more time. Increases child's self-esteem, how they feel about themselves, how they perform in their grades, and also in their emotional stability. So dads are very important. Now here's the effect when dads are not there. Children and father absent homes have significant higher drug use, higher rates of drinking and smoking, higher delinquency and aggression, greater likelihood for violent crimes. 87% of those incarcerated in Americans' prisons either don't know who their father is or have not had any contact with their fathers in years. Half of the women in prison grew up without a dad. I just put those statistics with what we just said a little while ago about the role that fathers can play, and you may have the, t- the two fitting together. One contributes to the other. Three times the likelihood of failing in school or commit suicide if they don't have dad. If you think there's something missing? It's not just his presence. You know, now dad needs to be a good presence. Much more likely to be delinquent, misbehave, twice as likely to drop out of school, to repeat a grade, have no parental help with their school, four times likely to have affective disorders, twice the likelihood of suffering physical, emotional, educational neglect, especially boys. One more page of all the bad news, and then we'll go on to more good news. A third of American children do not have their father living in their home. A third. That's the following and that has the following effects upon their children as compared to those who live with their married biological or adoptive parents. More likely to be poor, five times as likely. 7.8% of children in married couples uh, are living in poverty, but how many in uh, female-headed households? 38.4%. The proportion of time spent in a female-headed household decreased the likelihood that a child will engage in pro-social behavior. I didn't realize this, but it's saying to us that the social lives of children comes a lot of it through the dad. It's, I didn't realize how important that was. Twice the likelihood to have mothers suffering from depression, stress, isolation from friends, and less involvement with church and social groups. Even the mom feels that when dad's not around, that social loss. Boys raised in single mother homes have a higher risk of uh, initiating teen pregnancy. Girls without fathers are twice as likely to be involved in early sexual activity, seven times more likely to get pregnant. Dads are needed, not just as laws, but as loving, caring, compassionate anchors. Here's one of the uh, gentlemen who's been doing an amazing amount of research I've got some really important things to say at the end, but I'm going to get through this first. In over 20 years of studying fathers, Dr. Ross Park states that, and this surprised me, men have a tendency to allow their infants more freedom to explore than women do. I think we've seen that happen. Which appears to support the development of independence in their children. It's just by nature comes with a man to do that. 
Men tend to do more practical educational activities with their children. They like to expand their child's horizons by playing with toys in non-traditional ways. They get them to think out of the box. That's something men do. Infants raised in father-absent homes did less reaching, grasping, following of objects, and playing with new toys and objects in their environment. This is one practical thing that a man does just naturally just by being there. Fathers who actively play with their children, did you see them actively play? My grandchildren, there's one boy. Five girls. Anyway, um, they love to play with me. It's something wonderful for them. Uh, fathers actually play with their children appear to reinforce the notion of emotional self-control in their children and help their chil- ch- children learn to recognize the emotional cues of others, become more sensitive to what's taking place emotionally with other people. Active fathers have children who score higher on tests of verbal skill, problem-solving tasks, and in social situations. Fathers who are active in their child's life will have tremendous effect on child's development, both cognitively and socially. So can you see... We never realized this before, but the studies are in now. Huge hunk that the father plays in reaching the life of that child, in development of that child. And it comes by the fact, the way God designed the man. If he's willing to learn to do that. Young children whose fathers are involved in their lives tend to make better, longer lasting friendships across their entire lifespan. From the time spent with dad And so, history of Father's Day. While Anna Jarvis had a great success with creating Mother's Day, the following year, there was a big push to have a Father's Day in honor of dads. Finally, that honor fell to Sonora Louise Lewis. Yeah, Lewis Smart, who married a man by the name of Dodd. In 1909, um, She was raised by her father since her mother passed away when she was quite young, and she wanted to pay honor to her dad. Raised six kids. The dad. Early 1900s. She spent an entire year selling selling the idea to civic leaders, YWCA ministers of Spokane, Washington. The following year, June 1910, the first Father's Day was observed. She wanted it to be on the very date of her father's birthday, but it didn't quite work out. I think a couple weeks later. And it was third Sunday in June, continues to be. Now Congress has uh, made a proclamation, a resolution, and the president has made a proclamation. Notice the president's proclamation 62 years after they had that first Father's Day. It took an awful long time for fathers to get equal time. 62 years. You know who signed it? Lyndon Johnson. Father's Day is a national holiday observed in more than 126 countries around the world. 58 years passed between Mother's Day and when Father's Day received national status. In 19, yet 81% of adults feel that Mother's Day and Father's Day should have equal status. But listen to this. 12.7 is spent on Father's Day, 18.6 billion on Mother's Day. Although that probably makes men very happy. That probably makes us very happy. 75% of fathers say that they're more involved with their kids than their fathers were. Another survey has it as high as 86%. Have you you noticed a trend where men are getting more involved? They're doing diaper duty without complaining. Wow. 
Dad carries about a third of domestic and parenting chores now, yet still pop culture things look very, really stupid. Caring, pop culture has men looking stupid when they try to care for the babies that they've made. That's something that's got to be overcome. And, you know, because there's fathers that are not doing their jobs, about $100 billion is being spent out of the federal treasury to help do their jobs for them. Can't do them, though. Now, here's the story. As we came back from the war, about the middle of the last century, America was really changing. A worldwide war followed by a Cold War. How many of you lived through that? Remember what that felt like? Uh, population was changing from rural into the urban. Communications brought instant awareness to everyone. There were new roadmaps for living that were needed. America was the undisputed leader of the world. So how did they maintain that as they discovered their new role in the world? They had just won the war. Human rights, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness became the bottom lines. They tried to create a new world after World War II that was idealistic. And I'm going to share a little bit about how that happened. Ideals, nobility, good triumphing over evil, making men into the leaders that they needed to be, and caring families. All of that was a part of this new order that dawned upon America and suddenly it was thrust in a whole new role that it had never thought it could assume. And look what they did. They produce an amazing amount of biographies. In my house, I have got some sets of biographies of great Americans that I bought. They were the Landmark series. Some of you, do you remember Landmark series? Wonderful stories. And there were a whole bunch of series like that. And, they, and children read those stories. What were they reading about? Ideal, ideal people. People who had conquered all kinds of problems and, and succeeded. And I read those stories one story after another after... Do you, any of you remember stories like that when going to school? Little, little books that we'd take home and we would read them. Uh, they were Grosset and Dunlop. It had a series, Signature. Uh, there's a bunch of them. The education bill sent uh, GIs to school. They were beginning to be a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of living, a whole new set of values. And in the entertainment, entertainment began to feature heroes, big-time heroes, who would take great risks for the sake of making things better. For 25 years, between 1930 and 55, they created a genre called B-Westerns. You know what they are? What do you know, Gene Autry? Roy Rogers? Dale Evans? And a whole bunch of others like that. These guys did what? Just tell me what you know about them. They were heroes. They were heroes. They went into tough situations, and yet they were always kind, they were always noble, they were always proper and correct, and they showed how to make, find a way through tough things. And they were paraded across the screens, and young people just adored them. They would go, you know, the B-movies were the fillers after the major movie, and yet they became the most popular for the kids to go and see that. When I was growing up, those movies were doing exactly what they were calculated to do. Turn me into an idealist. Somebody who had goals, objectives, uh, reason for living. Morality plays is what they were. Every single one of them. Now they weren't all... I, I, you, you remember Hopalong Cassidy? Yes. Oh, you do? Yes. Anyway, kids adored them. And... Uh, uh, 
Then they also showed something about family shows, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Here's who? And? 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 That's Hopalong down there. Yeah. And who else? Wagon Train. Ward Bond. Oh, you guys are getting excited about this, aren't you? You know, I, I have purchased the set of the old sets of Seasons of Wagon Train, and I, here I am in my mid-60s. I go back and I look at that and I says, how did they ever produce such good movies that had good messages, good examples of life? Here was what happened in those 50s that were so unique. They taught us how to live. That's what a father's supposed to do. They taught us how to live. And they, they even touched me today. Look at those stories. It never came to an end. Remember this one? Yeah. Look at the length of that gun, remember? And what about this crew? The longest running Western in history of TV. And others. There's Bonanza <laughs> down there. So these had an agenda. They had a goal. And usually what was the goal? Men leading the way to a better world. And I was a young boy... And I wanted so very much to have a Davy Crockett coonskin hat because if I had that hat, I could become like Davy Crockett. But I did have a pair of guns, and I don't know who they belonged to, little plastic guns, and I tried to live like Hopalong Cassidy or Roy Rogers. And because those guys did the right thing all the time, a whole generation of young boys were changed by that genre. What happened after that genre ended in the, towards the 60s, in the early 60s? What happened? What happened in the, in the TV? They, 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 what they did is these movies, these things, kept out all the bad and just put the good, or tried to do that. Later on, all the bad was thrown in. And so a kid watching all that stuff, the message is all blurred, it's all lost. And so I grew up in a very special time. Some of you did too. That was not all. They had some shows about family life. This goes way back earlier. Remember Judge Hardy and Son? Who was the son? Andy? Andy Rooney, wasn't it? Yeah. And you remember this one? I have um, uh, Ricky. Uh, some of his songs on my little iPhone, iTunes. He has some good songs. You remember these? Do you remember these movies? And and what do you what do you find here in these these kind of things that were on TV and taking so much time? What do you find taking place? It was family. Were they fighting all the time? Were they getting along? Were they working together for good things? Did they did they have serious talks? Yes, and, it, you know, what's that one up there that I just put on? Leave it to Beaver. Do you remember this one? Father Knows Best. Remember that? Andy Griffith's show. Won our hearts. And it's amazing how simple these things were, and yet how much people were drawn to them and attracted to them. You know why? Because they, look at the men. Where are the men in all of these? Their central stage. They're doing what a man is supposed to do. And it was an amazing time to be able to see this take place. 
My wife just loved Little House on the Prairie. And of course, the Waltons. And then, as you go into the 70s, the Cosby's. All right, look at this. In the 1950s, I'm going to get through this as quick as I can. In the 1950s, look at all of those shows and look how long they ran. And how popular they were. They changed a generation. In the 1950s. Now in the 1960s, there were even more. You'll recognize some of them. All right. Look at how long they were on the air. Uh, Those that were on the air for only less than four years, there were none of those in the 1950s. And they were on the air for 10 years. There were seven and up to 37 years. Disney, four. In the 1960s, it just flips the other way around. It's beginning to slip and fall back. The idea of actually creating a generation of kids with a set of morality projected in the movies, on the TV, was slipping. And when that happens, consequences, we've lived to see the consequences of it. They're pretty intense. And so look at how they drop. The number of family kind of shows in the years that followed. Kind of stunning. Well, those are just some statistics. And so, you know, some people have had fun with this, uh, you know. Um, it has changed. It has changed. You look at the family things that are on today. Now, now in more recent times, they're finding out that kids basically want a warm family environment and are moving in that direction. And so some of those things are coming back on the air. But I lived through, and you've lived through some years when that was just really hard to find. Instead, you get things like The the Simpsons and other... What was this? uh, uh, Married with Children? Uh, Anyway, you you know, you couldn't stand it. Now, here is the punchline. Jesus wants us to think of God as a father. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Dads, men, he wants you to, that's your model, the Father in heaven. Our Father in the Lord's Prayer. My, are your, thy, heavenly, associated with Father 200 times in the Bible. Was it a message really by accident or was it real? That Jesus was really trying to say to us your father in heaven is the model for fathers father is always pictured as a loving beneficent being and call no man your father upon the earth for one is your father which is in heaven exemplified by the prodigal son his father who went out went out waited the son came back and there was a healing as a result of that. I go to my father, and then he makes it sure, says, and your father. He wants us to think of the father in heaven as our father, and he wants fathers to use that there as their model. How important. Look at the qualities of the father. He's greater than us. My father is greater than I. In some of these family movies that swept over after the 50s and, and, and 60s. This, was the father greater than no. the rest? The father was minimized. He was made a, a buffoon. You know, 
horrible consequences from that. The model is the Father in heaven. Be loving gives us his all. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There should be nobody in the life of the child that this is more true for than the father. And if the father can do this, now sometimes that can't happen because fathers are just simply not there. They've died. They're gone for some reason or another. They're gone. But for those where that is the case, this is Father's Day. This is the way we live our life. Everybody in the family knows that this verse is not only true of God the Father, but it's true of their father too. Giving of ourselves until there's nothing left to give. What does that do to a child? Does that make a weak child? Does that make a a frightened child? That makes a secure child. He gives us life. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. He gives us life, emotional life and spiritual life. I have one son, I have three daughters and a slew of grandkids now. My job is to know their heart. My job is to have that contact where there's no interference between my heart and their heart. My job is for them to know that I know them and they know me. There's no confusion about that. They understand that we are one. How important that is. Where's the model? The model is with the Father in heaven. That's the model for men on earth too. As the living Father has sent me and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Communion bread, etc. So, God is fully capable of doing all of these things through men today. More fatherly qualities. He's an example for us. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. How important it is that the Father don't come across, doesn't come across as some kind of a, uh, an almighty loud voice that is law and heaven shaking and all like a Mount Sinai, you know. They need to see that this Father is totally submitted to the Heavenly Father. And he is modeling to the Heavenly Father, what the child needs to model to him. How absolutely important that is. And so the, all of this, the gifts and the skills and the, and the qualities that the Father is supposed to have are Father-like skills, Father in Heaven-like. Provide us with words to live by. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak unto you are not of myself. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. When those disciples were with Jesus, they knew that Jesus was never confused. (laughs) And, And you know, you can't help but be confused if you're not connected with God. And if the connection with God is solid and strong, then even if something surprises you, the Spirit is in your heart and it teaches you and it tells you Jesus was never at a loss. He had the Spirit with him at all times. And that's what, basically, children crave and must have in their dads. So this message today to dads is we need to be modeling the Father in heaven. And what the Father does is what we will do. And that's what the children 
of this world are longing for. He was one with his children, that they all may be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. All things are delivered unto me and my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. And so if people want to know about God, they're going to go where? Yeah, to Jesus and also to the dead. You know? That's, that's, and he to whom the Son will reveal himself to him. He teaches us what to do. I do nothing to myself, but as my Father hath taught me. And I was, it was so interesting, you know, in the, in the debates that Jesus would have as we're reading in the Gospel of John in the series that we're going through this year. Uh, as we go through there, we see this over and over again, that Jesus uh, is taught on the fly words to say. And they're profound things that he says. Empowering dads to do their job. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. How do you ever survive the loss of a child? How do you ever survive the loss eternally of a child? There's nothing that can stop my heart so quickly as the fear that maybe one of my children or one of my grandchildren are not with the Lord. He that sent me is with me. The Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. It's all of God, and it's God's willing to do this through fathers. Now, God works through mothers, but as you've already seen, that what comes out of mothers is different than what comes out of fathers. Fathers have a unique giftedness. They're prepared certain ways, and women have a unique giftedness, and their sermon is going to be on Mother's Day. <laughs> so you have those two different things, and it comes through differently, and children need both. I have finished the work thou gavest me to do, and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me. Jesus lived that completely. The Father gives us our authority, for as the Father hath life in himself, so he hath given the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment. We read this, I think, in our last series uh, in, in John. To be totally submissive to his heavenly Father. At the end, Christ delivered up the kingdom to the Father. And then, that, he, had, he himself became subject to the Father, that God may be all in all. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now you know what? When you look at this the right way, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it's understandable. You look at it the wrong way, and it bristles, right? Because there's some hierarchy going on there. you know. But we've got to not let it look at it that way. God is not about that. Now, going back to Father Abraham, this is, we're getting to the end now. For I have chosen him. Chosen comes from the Greek word known, or Hebrew word known. Abraham. What did he know about Abraham? That he would direct his children and his household after him. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down. When thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand. And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. He will direct his children and his household after him. To keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. If we are willing to be, 
in the footsteps of Abraham, the father of his people, to our family, God is making some amazing promises to us too. And they are very special. So, here's wishing all the dads. I don't know. Is that a good picture? Probably not. Do you like it? Uh, My favorite thing about camp meeting is this picture of a hammock stretched between two trees. And, And so... I'm thinking that's just about as, as best as things get at camp meeting. It's just a beautiful uh, setting and all of that. Fathers, that's including me, God has invested us with very heavy responsibilities. Our children may be grown. There may be other children that we need to be fathers to. I think we need to be available for all kids. And they should be able to see in us and capture from us qualities that they're desperately needing so that they can grow strong and healthy. Finally, our society is learning some of the mistakes that they have made, tragic mistakes, 70s and 80s and 90s, showing the worst things in homes as opposed to the right and the best things. And we're starting to correct some of that stuff. But the role for fathers and for mothers is to always be there for their children and do the right things. And God is our example for that. May God bless you, men, as you do that. May you believe that even as Abraham, who had a hard time believing how God was going to accomplish the things that he had promised, eventually came to realize that he can do exactly that. And he can do that with us. Even such a crazy one like me, he can do something through me and you. And moms... And women, I'm thinking that you might like very much to have some of these kind of men around your life, right? Amen. You do you like yeah, yeah. So you'd like that, and the kids would love that as well. And that's what the Lord was. So before the great and terrible day of the Lord, you know, uh, Malachi, restore the hearts of what? Fathers to the children, and children to the fathers. That's a direct quality waiting for the Lord to come. Father in heaven, thank you for these time to be able to think about dads and the unique qualities that you've invested with them and things that they can only do. Thank you for the faithfulness of women and who have done so well at their roles for such a long time and that men are now even more and more stepping into their roles and are willing to do the things that are so necessary for children. And I'm beginning to learn that fathers didn't stop when their children were raised, they got grandchildren. And, and then there are children all around us in church and other places that, um, that are looking for a dad, that need to sense that there's a dad in every man that they see. Somebody who can help them to become all that they can be. Bless both women and men in that role. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.